You're listening to the Voice of Dog, and today's story is the second and final part of Crystal Fusion by Mary E. Loud, the prolific author of the Otters in Space trilogy, the Entangled Universe trilogy, and many other furry sci-fi books and short stories. You can find more of Mary's stories on Deep Sky Anchor and in the Deep Sky Anchor podcast. You can read more about the cats and dogs of the Starship Initiative, boldly going where no cat or dog has gone before in Trigalactic Trek, published by Fur Planet Press. Last time, Lieutenant Vaughn and Lieutenant Le Guin were combined into a fused half-cat, half-dog by a teleporter accident and were struggling to make sense of their own melded mind. Please enjoy Crystal Fusion by Mary E. Loud, Part 2 of 2, read for you by the author herself. The Vaughn raised their voice and said, Computer, begin Lieutenant Vaughn Program 5, Easy Mode. Usually they ran the program on Extra Hard Mode, but they weren't sure how much their skills would have dropped from having their body changed to be half-feline. At least, Lieutenant Le Guin seemed like he'd been a fairly agile and fleet-footed cat, but completely untrained in martial arts or, really, any physical activity. He'd lived entirely in his mind, and now that mind was a chaotic, disordered place. Martial arts were orderly. The glowing blue hexagons inscribing the walls all around them flashed a blinding shade of sky blue, so bright that it was like a million summer days in an instant. When the flash subsided, their surroundings had changed. Instead of an empty room, the Lumo Bay had become a crowded dojo filled with large, hulking ursine aliens dressed in simple white geese, tied at the waist with differently colored belts. The bear-like aliens were attacking and throwing each other, rolling and shuffling their paws on the floor of rectangular green mats in a complicated dance. It was beautiful. Usually, Lieutenant Vaughn was a black belt in Ursido, the martial art that she'd learned from Ensign Groff an ursine exchange officer aboard the Initiative. The bear-like alien and Yellow Lab often practiced martial arts together. Today, Levon supposed they'd be lucky to maintain the skills of a purple belt. Maybe blue belt. They'd see. That's why they'd set the program to easy mode. In hard mode, the Lumo-projected bears would have all attacked them by now. Levon raised their arms to the side in the opening pose closed their eyes and drew a deep, centering breath. They visualized the air currents in the room around them, flowing around the dance-fighting bears, swirling up to the corners of the ceiling and flowing into their own lungs, and back out again. They tried not to get distracted by thinking about how they'd be able to actually see those air currents perfectly well if they'd just get over themselves and put on Lieutenant Le Guin's technofocal goggles. Get over themselves. They meant get over their Lieutenant Vaughn half, their dog half. Was it more dominant? Was that a problem? Frustrated with their inability to focus, Levon opened their eyes. Perhaps teaching Dr. Wolfgang would be easier to focus on than being alone inside themselves. Put your arms out to the side, like mine, Levon said. This is the first pose. The Bengal cat gracefully extended her arms. She seemed even taller to Levon, now that they were fox-sized instead of yellow lab-sized. 
Dr. Wolfgang had always been taller than Lieutenant Le Guin, but she'd been shorter than Lieutenant Vaughn. Now they were about the same height. That's good, Levon said. They guided Dr. Wolfgang through the chants, visualization, and breathing exercises meant to prepare an Urs Ido artist for their practice. The Bengal cat exuded exactly the kind of calm centeredness that kept escaping Levon. She was a natural. When they got to the opening moves, tucked rolls and simple attacks where one practitioner guided the other's energy from a punch into a harmless roll, the Bengal cat had no problem. When they got to the opening moves, tucked rolls and simple attacks where one practitioner guided the other's energy from a punch into a harmless roll, the Bengal cat had no problem gracefully executing the rolls herself and effortlessly throwing Levon into them. The tabby fox, however, landed flat on their back, slamming painfully into the green mat, over and over again. Several times they flipped their tail right under themselves, crushing it during a roll, and their chin didn't tuck forward quite like they expected, so they kept bumping the back of their head. Even when they managed to tuck their head right, they slammed their right shoulder into the mats repeatedly, always hitting in the same increasingly tender place. It was not relaxing. It was not centering, and Levon was getting more and more bruised and frustrated. Shouldn't you be working on the math to get me fixed? They finally roared at Dr. Wolfgang. Shouldn't you be working on the math to get me fixed? They finally roared at Dr. Wolfgang after she'd thrown them to the floor for the umpteenth time. I am, she replied testily, a tail waving behind her. She was hardly winded from their exertions, whereas Levon was practically panting, like they'd forgotten how to breathe properly. Their whole body felt like a mess of tangled and discordant muscles, pulling at each other in the wrong ways, clumsy as a puppy or a kitten. What do you mean? Levon asked, still lying flat on the mats where they'd been thrown. My mind's been working on the math while we... She smiled, an especially feline and a mysterious smile. Dance! This doesn't feel like dancing, Levon grumbled. It's supposed to. It used to. They couldn't bring themselves to say more words. They were too disappointed in themselves. They'd thought, for sure, even if everything felt different and their skills were decreased, they'd simply be starting out again. But this wasn't what starting out had been like for Lieutenant Vaughn at all. She'd always known how to place her paws where she meant to. She'd been a natural, like Dr. Wolfgang had proved to be. Bitterly, Levon realized that Lieutenant Le Guin had never taken an interest in many physical activities because he wouldn't have been very good at them. They'd preferred imagining it was the other way around. He wasn't any good, simply because he'd never chosen to take part. If he'd put the time in, surely he could learn to be as fine a martial artist as Lieutenant Vaughn. With a deep sigh, Levon said, Tell me about the math, because I can't do this. Are you sure? Dr. Wolfgang asked. Because I have a different idea. Levon pushed themselves into a sitting position, intrigued. What is it? Dr. Wolfgang raised her voice and said, Computer, do you have any dance studio programs? A melodic yet sterile disembodied voice answered, 323 varieties. Please narrow your search parameters. Dr. Wolfgang negotiated with the computer, eventually settling on a program labeled Dr. Keller Program 6.
Apparently, the ship's doctor liked dancing. The fighting bears disappeared, along with the sound of their paws slapping and thumping against the floor. The green mats beneath them shimmered and were replaced by beautifully grained mahogany hardwood. The dance studio was empty, except for Dr. Wolfgang and Levon, but cheerfully spirited orchestral music filled the air, along with bright sunlight slanting in through tall windows at the far end of the room. In spite of themselves, Levon felt uplifted by the atmosphere. This is a nice program, they said. It does look nice, doesn't it? Dr. Wolfgang turned around, long tail following her, to get a look at the room from every angle. Very nice. This is exactly what I came here for. With the deftest of paw steps, the bangle cat shifted from simply turning to gracefully twirling. Her tail swung to the music, and everything about her brightened. You're a dancer and a mathematician, Levon asked. They could feel themselves developing a little crush on her. Or maybe it was just that Lieutenant Le Guin would have probably had a crush on her. They couldn't tell their own feelings, and they were starting to think it was better when they didn't even try. Well, come on, stand up, Dr. Wolfgang said. Levon stood up, but they said, I don't dance. Neither of me. Perfect, Dr. Wolfgang said, twirling closer. She stopped spinning, held her arms out toward Levon, and swayed in place. If you didn't dance before, then both of your sides will be new to this. No expectations? No disappointment. Just learning. You like learning new things, don't you? Levon quirked a smile. They did like learning new things. That was something both their feline engineer and security officer dog halves had in common. Sure, Lieutenant Le Guin liked learning about new types of technology. Lieutenant Vaughn preferred learning new martial arts. But they both loved learning. That's a safe guess among Trigalactic Navy officers, isn't it? Levon jeered wryly. It would be hard to get anywhere in the Trigalactic Navy without a love of knowledge and a thirst for adding to it, Dr. Wolfgang agreed. Now give me your paws. The tabby fox placed their pale orange paws in the Bengal cat's dark ones. Now look at my feet and follow the pattern, she said. Levon looked down and saw the simple, repeated pattern of steps. Left paw forward, left paw back. Step to the right, step to the left. Simple. Yet somehow, even with that level of simplicity, Levon managed to keep stepping at the wrong moments and in the wrong directions. Dr. Wolfgang raised her voice and said, Computer, slow the music to half speed. The orchestral music slowed from a lively rhythm to a languorous one, and suddenly Levon found their paws able to keep up. Their muzzle twisted into a lopsided smile as they felt their movements finally line up with the music, and their tail began to swing along. That's better, Dr. Wolfgang said. After a few more repetitions of the pattern, she stepped closer and lifted one of Levon's paws to her shoulder. She then placed her free paw at Levon's waist and stretched out her other arm, still holding Levon's other paw. Now just keep stepping and follow me. After a few minutes, Levon found himself whirling around the room, spinning out from Dr. Wolfgang's steady paw and then being pulled back in. All they were doing was a simple step pattern, but by following Dr. Wolfgang's skilled lead, they found themselves truly dancing. The lopsided smile on Levon's muzzle brightened to a full grin. This is wonderful, they said. I think I'd even enjoy doing this as Lieutenant Le Guin. 
Well, typically you'd probably be expected to lead as Lieutenant Le Guin, Dr. Wolfgang said. Levon's grin faltered a little, but they were enjoying the whirling, twirling rhythm of the dance too much to be troubled by the idea of what one of their halves would be expected to do if they were ever successfully separated. Right now, both of their halves were happy. They felt fancy and free. Is leading harder? Levon asked eventually. It's different, Dr. Wolfgang said. You're very good at it. It's the way I danced for many years. Her ears skewed to the side, a brief flicker before standing tall again. I was about to tell you earlier, but then I got shy about it. When I said that there were different versions of myself, I was talking about Alan Wolfgang. Alan? Levon asked. A brother? Dr. Wolfgang smiled. No, an earlier version of me. I was assigned the wrong gender at birth, and it took me longer to figure it out than some. So I lived as Alan for many years. My earliest academic papers were published under that name. Levon didn't know what to say. Then they remembered Lieutenant Le Guin reading a few papers on rudimentary crystalline mathematics by Dr. Alan Wolfgang. Oh, I saw those papers! Why didn't you change your name on them? Dr. Wolfgang shrugged, somehow fluidly working the gesture right into their dancing. Being Alan was a big part of my journey. I still might change my mind and change the name someday, but so far I kind of like leaving them that way. Does this mean you picked the name Ada for yourself? That's right. Oh, I didn't ask. What are you going by? Have you picked a name for, well, until we get this fixed? Levon. Fact picked it for me. They continued to dance in silence. Then Dr. Wolfgang said, Would you like to pick a name for yourself? It can be very empowering and unifying. Perhaps a first name instead of a surname? Levon shook their head emphatically. But they found themselves thinking that Natalie, Lieutenant Vaughn's first name, and Jordan, Lieutenant Le Guin's, combined rather nicely to Nathan. They could imagine someday feeling like a Nathan, and learning how to lead while dancing might be kind of fun. Levon wondered if Fact would be interested in learning to dance. And then they realized they weren't afraid of the idea of asking Zir. Lieutenant Le Guin wouldn't be afraid to ask Fact, his best friend, if Z was interested in trying out a new activity that the orange tabby cat found interesting. And Lieutenant Vaughn would have loved the idea of sharing an activity with Fact where she could play to her strengths physical movement, and social interaction. Most of Fact's interests were too abstract for her, and she hadn't had much luck connecting with the android fox, no matter how infatuated she was with Zir. For once, Levon felt at peace, doing something both of their sides would enjoy. They didn't know how long it would last before something that their two sides disagreed upon violently upset their current feeling of placidly calm happiness. But for the moment, they were enjoying themselves. That was enough. Sometimes, all you can do is get by from moment to moment. Do you ever think about how the previous version of yourself would feel about things you're doing in the moment? Levon asked. Dr. Wolfgang's ears skewed, but righted themselves quickly. Not really, she said. I mean, it's all just me. Alan, Ada. So I'd feel exactly the way I feel. There was only one path forward for me, and that path left the name Alan behind. 
I don't know if there are two paths forward for me, or just one, Levon said. Certainly hoped they wouldn't be stuck like this forever, but if they were, maybe it wouldn't be untenable. Maybe they could figure out a path forward. I guess it depends on the math you're doing in your head. Dr. Wolfgang stopped dancing. She stood completely still as the music continued to lilt in the air around them. Then her ears started flicking, and her tail tip twitched, but only at the very end. Why did you stop dancing? Levon asked. What are you thinking? Two paths, she repeated, slowly and ponderously. Levon could hardly stand the suspense. The nature of their future might hinge on what was happening in Dr. Wolfgang's mind. But there was no way to hurry her into saying words faster. The last thing Levon wanted to do was disrupt her thinking process, possibly derailing an important train of thought, or even just slowing it down. Finally, Dr. Wolfgang's wide owl eyes narrowed, and she said, Computer, can you create a simulation of the inside of the geode asteroid from Lieutenant Le Guin and Lieutenant Vaughn's last mission, based on the videos they transmitted back to the ship? Yes, the computer answered. Please do so. The computer said, According to our analysis, there was no gravity inside the asteroid. Do you want us to turn off the artificial gravity for a more complete simulation? Dr. Wolfgang's whiskers lifted in a grin, and she said in a whisper under her breath, Can't believe I didn't think of this before. Then raising her voice, Yes, computer. But of course, please maintain a breathable atmosphere. The computer replied, Safety controls require it. Levon's stomach flipped as the gravity vanished. Their paws floated up off the floor, just slightly. The cheerful surroundings of the empty dance studio vanished replaced by a vaguely spherical cavern rising above them, crenulated with the angular, faceted surfaces of purple-blue crystals all around. It was nice seeing them without the translucent pain of a spacesuit helmet in the way. The computer had even simulated the crate of spider radios and lantern floating in the middle of the crystal-lined cavity. But the brightness of the lantern couldn't compare with Dr. Wolfgang's grin. The Bengal cat was grinning like a Cheshire cat, a grin bright enough to melt the polar ice caps of a habitable world. I've tried generating simulations before, Dr. Wolfgang meowed, but they never looked like this. You never had video footage to work with, right? Right, just math, and scans from external sensors. She touched a hind paw down to the faceted crystals beneath her, and kicked off in a way that started her twirling around. She wasn't dancing to music anymore. She was dancing to math, geometry, and beauty. Her reflection twirled in the faceted crystals all around. Levon watched Dr. Wolfgang revel in this first-hand experience of her work. Abstract concepts had become hard crystal surfaces, things she could look at and touch, without having to imagine them. She floated through the cavern, swishing her tail like an ineffective rudder, and trying to swim through the thin air by pulling and kicking at it with her paws. She laughed. Oh, this is wonderful. It makes me wish I'd gotten the training necessary to actually come on the real mission. Until today, it never seemed worth getting certified for a bunch of field missions I'd never actually go on. The Lieutenant Le Guin half of Levon could sympathize, but the Lieutenant Vaughn half couldn't imagine the point of joining the Trigalactic Navy if you weren't planning on going on field missions. Visiting strange new worlds and exploring the universe was the whole point, wasn't it? 
And yet, Lavon remembered spending hours and hours as Lieutenant Le Guin, totally contented, working on the Starship Initiative's engines, tweaking the machinery and fine-tuning the Zephyr Drive. Everything the orange tabby cat had wanted was inside the engine room. All the strange new worlds and exploration that he could ever need. Dr. Wolfgang floated up to the far side of the cavern. Levon kicked off and followed her. When they arrived at her side, they found her staring at the reflection of her face, just like she'd wished she could, back when Levon had been inside the geode asteroid for real. Back when they'd been two separate people. Somewhat fearfully, Levon followed suit, and let their gaze fall on the reflection of their transformed, melded face. The pale orange-striped fox face stared back at them with its swampy brown-green eyes and semi-floppy ears. It wasn't right. It was like looking at a photograph of yourself where all your features look backward because usually you see yourself in a mirror. Or maybe like seeing yourself wearing a costume. Levon could see pieces of herself and himself in the face, but not the entirety of either of their separate selves. Just pieces. Facets, even. They felt like a crystal that had been smashed and then glued back together, mixed up with the pieces of a different crystal, so the end result was something new. Something wrong. But also beautiful. Because Levon couldn't deny that they kind of liked being a half-cat, half-dog. They liked looking more like Fact, who both of their sides deeply admired. They liked getting the good traits of both sides, Lieutenant Le Guin's sharp mind and unflappable patience, Lieutenant Vaughn's friendliness, eagerness, and physical coordination. They blended well together. Le Vaughn stopped staring at their own face and turned to look at Dr. Wolfgang. Why are we here? they asked. You seemed like you'd had... They were reluctant to say the word, afraid of making it untrue. Or maybe afraid of the opposite? A revelation? Dr. Wolfgang laid one of her dark paws reverently against a particularly large crystal facet. She sighed like one might if they'd finally met a longtime pen pal, a deeply intimate friend who they'd never before seen in person. Then she lifted her paw and turned her head, returning Levon's gaze. Yes, Dr. Wolfgang said. All the time we were fighting and dancing, I was trying to figure out the geometry of the crystal facets that could have caused the two teleporter streams to combine so perfectly into one. But when you said two paths, I realized it was never about the geometry of the crystal facets. Dr. Wolfgang turned her gaze toward the perfectly round, dark hole of the passageway that the initiative had carved into the asteroid with its blazer beam. She pointed at it. That's the answer, she said. Levon felt their brains spark in a way that was familiar from all of Lieutenant Le Guin's memories, but felt exciting and new to the parts of her that still identified most with Lieutenant Vaughn. You mean, they said, that the gap in the crystals? Dr. Wolfgang was too excited to wait and rushed on with her explanation. The two teleporter beams bounced around the inside of the asteroid until each of them found the only way out. Straight through the corridor. Her excited grin faded, and a haunted look filled her owl eyes. If, if there hadn't been a corridor, then the teleporter beams might have bounced uselessly around inside the asteroid forever. Levon laid a reassuring paw on her shoulder 
and pointed out, if there'd been no corridor, we couldn't have gotten inside in the first place. Dr. Wolfgang nodded soberly. Yes, of course. Does this solve our problem? Levon asked. Dr. Wolfgang tilted her head, expressing far too effortlessly that she expected a being who was half-composed of Lieutenant Le Guin to be able to figure the answer out themselves. To their surprise, Levon realized they knew the answer. Two corridors. Yes, Dr. Wolfgang agreed. Two paths forward. We'll carve two passageways into a similar asteroid's shell. And then, teleport me out of the center and the teleportation beam will be divided by the two pathways. Levon's tail started wagging in excitement. Or was that agitation? It was a scary prospect, the idea of being teleported out of a geode asteroid a second time. How else could it go wrong? What new ways might their body and mind be deformed? They didn't want to think about that. They wanted to put the thought out of their head entirely and just forge forward. Come on, Dr. Wolfgang said. We've got work to do. The work went quickly, but it still took days. The captain declined to reinstate Levon's rank or duties, but Fact and Dr. Wolfgang let them help where they could. Fact surveyed the asteroids, scanning them for the information necessary to make mathematical models of their interiors. Dr. Wolfgang ran one mathematical simulation after another, checking for an asteroid similar enough to the original one to produce the desired results. Levon worked on building replacements for the spider radios so that, in addition to reversing their own teleporter mishap, it would be possible to run the original experiment through to completion. Building spider radios was a simpler, more mechanical task than analyzing the crystalline interiors of geodes for the right mathematical structure. Levon felt a little frustrated with their inability to keep up with Dr. Wolfgang's and Fact's effortless mathematics but they did enjoy putting together the spider radios, and it was necessary work. In the evenings, when all of their brains were too tired to think about math or electronics, Dr. Wolfgang continued teaching Levon how to dance. They thought about asking Fact to join them, but Levon didn't want to risk making any serious changes to their relationship during such an unstable, liminal period in their life. Their life. There wasn't even supposed to be such a thing as their life. And yet, they found themselves enjoying their life anyway. When the time came for Levon to carry the crate of new spider radios to the teleporter bay and put back on the weirdly melded spacesuit that had been created by blending Lieutenant Le Guin's and Lieutenant Vaughn's suits during the original teleporter accident, they hesitated. What if the fix didn't work? What if the teleporter beam bounced around inside the geode asteroid until their signal was completely garbled, or they were split into something worse, something less functional? Their current state wasn't ideal, but... Levon could live this way. What if trying to fix themselves killed them? I'm scared, Levon said. That is a rational, emotional reaction, Fact replied. Fear is a common response to uncertainty especially in situations with high stakes. The stakes feel too high, Levon said, standing beside the crate. As Lieutenant Vaughn, they'd be able to pick up the crate easily. As Lieutenant Le Guin, they wouldn't feel like they should be able to pick it up. Carrying heavy crates was physical labor, and the orange tabby cat had simply known that wasn't what he was best suited for. 
Levon knelt down beside the crate, grabbed it from the bottom with their paws, and tilted its weight against their chest. They lifted it and stood there, awkwardly holding a heavy crate. It was hard, but they could do it. Maybe, maybe I should just stay this way. I could do the rest of the mission, set up all the spider radios in the right places, and then just come home. Fact tilted Zir head quizzically. Zir eyes might be made from real gold irises encased in translucent polymers, but they showed as much compassion as any pair of biological eyes. Is that what you really want? Most likely you'd need to return to the Naval Academy to regain your rank, as this version of yourself has not been tested or proven to have the medal of a full trigalactic naval officer. Levon shifted the awkwardly large and heavy crate in their arms and sighed. They didn't want to start their life over. But they didn't want to risk their life either. Yet risking their life was a day-to-day -day part of a trigalactic Navy officer's job. But not for nothing. They risked their lives for meaningful advances in diplomacy, knowledge, science, real change in the state of progress among all thinking beings in the universe. Dr. Wolfgang approached the pair of strange foxes, white-furred android and pale-orange-striped tabby fusion. I am sure of my math, she said. I didn't know what would happen before, but I know what will happen this time. It will work. I know, Levon said. They didn't doubt Dr. Wolfgang's math. Not really. Levon smiled weakly and nodded, as if they'd been reassured. Then they began the long trek through the corridors to the teleporter bay. As they walked, Levon began to wonder, were they scared because they thought it wouldn't work? Or were they scared because they knew it would? And they were afraid of being disappointed and maybe lonely once they'd been separated out into two people. They kept moving, mechanically, through the steps of the mission. Teleport into space. Watch the initiative carve two holes into the asteroid with blazer cannons, fly with their jetpack inside, and set up all the spider radios. This time they weren't interrupted by any marauding Palangi vessels. And they took their time, knowing that each spider radio they placed brought them one step closer to teleporting out and dissolving their current identity. Levon remembered worrying as a small kitten, in Lieutenant Le Guin's memories, obviously, that when he went to sleep at night, he'd forget the train of his thoughts and wake up in the morning a different kitten, a kitten who looked the same, had basically the same memories and same life, but because his brain had been reset by sleeping, he was worried he'd lose a piece of himself, an important piece that he didn't want to let go of. He'd been a terror for his poor parents, never easy to put to bed, always popping back up with one more question or needing one more drink of water. Levon felt like that now. If they just kept checking and rechecking the positioning of each spider radio, then they wouldn't have to call back to the ship, say they were ready, and teleport into two separate pieces, fragmentary selves. When had that happened? Somewhere along the way, Lieutenant Le Guin and Lieutenant Vaughn had become facets of themselves, instead of whole people who would have longed to, been desperate to, return to their own lives. Dr. Wolfgang's voice crackled to life over the radio. Sensors show that the radios are all properly positioned. Is there a reason for the delay? There was only one correct answer. No. No reason. But Levon didn't want to say it, 
because then their life would be over. Dr. Wolfgang spoke again, her voice softer than before. You know, there are always a multitude of paths in front of us. I said before that there was only one path for me, but I was simplifying. I'm a mathematician. We like to simplify things. Levon laughed, half-heartedly. Half of two hearts, though, makes a full one. The thought made them sad. It only seemed like there'd been one path, and only one path for me, in retrospect, because I found the right one, a path that made me happy. Commander Wilker's voice joined Dr. Wolfgang's on the radio. Excuse me for interrupting, but are you scientists about ready to proceed? Don't take a path just because it's the one you're expected to take, Dr. Wolfgang said. Then the line went silent, and Levon found themselves alone with their thoughts, surrounded by crystal faces, reflecting their singular body into a multitude of slightly skewed versions. What did they want to do? I have a question, Levon said, before I teleport back. After a moment, Commander Wilker barked, Go ahead. Levon was afraid to say the question out loud, because once it was shared with the crew members listening over the comm, then it would be known that they had doubts. Doubts about who they were. But they couldn't proceed without asking. Asking the question was the only path forward for them in that moment. What if I change my mind? Levon said. Could we use another geode, drill only a single corridor into it, and put me back like this? The aftermath of the question hung in the silence, echoing in Levon's own ears. Dr. Wolfgang broke the silence. Mathematically, yes. A moment later, the voice of the ship's doctor, Dr. Keller, woofed, Biologically, I don't see any reason why it couldn't be done. The silence returned. In spite of Levon's fears, no one asked, Why would you want to do that? Okay, Levon said. I'm ready. Teleport me back. When the fizzy champagne bubbly feeling of quantum energy cleared from Levon's vision, they saw Fact standing at the teleporter control panel and filled with relief at the sight. They were about to say, It didn't work. But before they could, Fact said, Lieutenant Le Guin, it's so good to have you back. Z stepped around the control panel and toward the teleporter pad, and then walked right past them. Levon turned, face falling, and saw Lieutenant Le Guin completely feline, bright orange, with perfectly erect ears and totally blind without his technofocal goggles, standing beside them on the pad. Beside her. She looked down and saw her paws, yellow, big, and blunt-clawed. She reached up and touched the side of her face, the tip of her floppy ear. She was a yellow Labrador. She was Lieutenant Natalie Vaughn again. And a rush of Cold loneliness filled her belly, replacing the fizzy, giggly feeling of teleportation. They'd made a terrible mistake. She felt like half a person, and she reached toward her other half. Lieutenant Le Guin reached out, too. But he wasn't reaching toward her. He was reaching toward Fact, who held out a pair of technofocal goggles. The orange tabby took the goggles from Fact's white paws. He placed them over his eyes and sighed with evidently deep relief. Oh, goodness, he meowed. It's so wonderful to be myself again. Lieutenant Vaughn felt crushed, 
she didn't feel wonderful. She'd been discarded by her other half, deemed unnecessary, a flaw in the perfect crystal that was Lieutenant Le Guin. Fact turned toward her. The Arctic fox's gold eyes shone warmly. Welcome back, Lieutenant Vaughn. The ship has not been the same without you. Lieutenant Vaughn's tail wagged tentatively. She wanted so badly to interpret Fact's words in a positive way. Surely the android meant them kindly. Lieutenant Le Guin stepped closer, and he took hold of Lieutenant Vaughn's paw. She felt steadied by his grasp. Fact, Lieutenant Le Guin meowed, would you mind giving Natalie and me a moment alone? Most assuredly, Fact agreed. I will see you in engineering later. The fox nodded at Zir Feline Friend. Lindsay nodded at Lieutenant Vaughn. She thought she saw a wisp of a smile on Zir Angular face. Once Fact was gone, and the two halves of Levon were once again alone together, Lieutenant Le Guin took hold of both of Lieutenant Vaughn's paws. You helped me remember how much I love being myself, Lieutenant Le Guin meowed. I'm deeply grateful for that. It felt like he was twisting the knife. In return, he said, I want you to know that, yes, Fact is genuinely happy to have you back. Lieutenant Vaughn caught a sob in the back of her throat before it could escape. I know you have trouble reading, Zir, Lieutenant Le Guin said, so I thought I'd say it plainly for you. Lieutenant Vaughn nodded, not trusting herself to say any words. You're worrying that you're the lesser half, he said, continuing on in a way that was uncharacteristic of him. He was usually someone who got lost in thought and forgot to say those thoughts out loud. But that's not why I'm happy to be myself again. It's not that I wanted to be rid of you. It's not that I didn't kind of think we were better as one. It's just I needed to be you. Yeah, me. The yellow Labrador and orange tabby stood in silence together. Paws clasped tightly, as if squeezing hard enough could make them into a single person again. Then Lieutenant Le Guin's hold loosened. Lieutenant Vaughn tried to loosen her hold in return. It was harder for her. This is a rough transition, she said. We already had a rough transition, Lieutenant Le Guin countered. And you handled that okay. His feline face twisted into a smile. Are you sure, she asked? Are you sure it wasn't you who handled it? He shook his head. No, I'd have never thought to get out of my head and throw myself at the floor repeatedly until I figured out how to live with my new, more confusing, more complicated self. Lieutenant Vaughn laughed. Yeah, rolling around on the floor is more of a dog thing. Lieutenant Le Guin swished his tail jauntily. Dancing turned out to be both of our thing, though, right? Lieutenant Vaughn nodded. Maybe we can go dancing again, he asked. I'd like that. Now that Dr. Wolfgang's experiment is completed, she won't be around to dance with us much longer. But we have two bodies now. Exactly my thinking, Lieutenant Le Guin's face brightened, whiskers rising with his grin. Would you mind, though, if we took turns learning how to lead? It does seem like, gender roles aside, I'd probably be better at it, Lieutenant Vaughn mused. Consider it a plan. The orange tabby turned, ready to rush off to engineering. But Lieutenant Vaughn said, Wait, when you've analyzed the results from the experiment, you know, from those radios we set up, will you 
tell me about what you find out? His grin grew even brighter. You know it'll mostly be complicated math that will take years for us to sort out, right? I know, Lieutenant Vaughn said. But I'd still like to hear about it. It'd be my honor, he replied. Then Lieutenant Vaughn watched her smaller, cleverer, clumsier, feline half walk away. She thought she was sad to see him go. But then she felt her tail wagging. She might miss the sharpness of Le Guin in her mind, but she felt the happiness of being herself again, flowing throughout her body. This was the second and final part of Crystal Fusion by Mary E. Loud, read for you by the author herself. As always, you can find more stories on the web at The Voice Talk Dog, or find the show wherever you get your podcasts. And if you have a story you think would be a good fit, please get in touch. I'm at Kaki Doggy on Twitter and Telegram, and I'd love to hear from you. Thank you for listening to The Voice of Dog.